You're listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 116. Today, I talk with Dr. Rita Belazer. She is a colorectal surgeon who started her own private practice, and she is the least likely person you would have guessed. But she thought putting your time, effort, and mental energy behind yourself as an investment is the most powerful thing you can do in the world. This is a great episode. For more information about the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. I'm so excited for this guest. I've known her for a long time and I absolutely adore her. This is Dr. Rita Belazare. She is a colorectal surgeon and I cannot wait to hear your story because of all people who should not have gotten into private practice, she would be up there. So if she can do this and wait to hear her story, you will be inspired too, just like I was of deciding, why are we doing this? Is this the life that I want? I'm ready to have the life that I want. And her story is absolutely amazing. So I cannot wait for her to tell you all of the things that I already know how wonderful she is. So she's going to share all of her story. You will feel the same. I'm sure of it. So Dr. Belzir, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Number one, because I love you and your coaching, but also because you are a big part of my story. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I love it. So take us through, because I know that you didn't set out to start a private practice. How did you first start getting the little inklings of something here needs to change? Yeah. So I think the inklings were there, but I wasn't seeing them for probably, I don't know, several years. So I graduated fellowship in 2017 and took a job, hospital employee job in Brooklyn for two years. And then I had my daughter and needed to leave New York City because it was too expensive. And But there was inklings during that job where I was, actually there were large inklings, more than inklings, sirens, during that job that made me realize like I actually was so bad that I was thinking about just leaving clinical medicine altogether. And so before doing that, or every time I looked into one of those jobs, I was like, that's not what I want to do. I want to be a surgeon. I don't want to work for... Pfizer. I don't want to work for whatever other company. I want to be a surgeon. So anyway, I ended up moving to Houston. I took this job in academic surgery, which I actually really loved because I do love working with residents. And I grew up in academics. I graduated from an academic um, surgical program. And so it felt comfortable to me because that is the training that I was used to, the environment that I was used to. And then probably a couple of years in, I was given um, a position that I was really excited, an administrative role that I was really excited to take at the time. But moments after accepting the role, I realized the burden that I felt in having that role. And I think that is when the inkling started. It made me realize I don't want to do this free work anymore. (laughs) So like there, I have an appreciation for academics, but I, there was a realization that I had that there's a lot of free work involved to climb the academic ladder. And then there was one incident that happened where I felt I had done a really, I felt like I'd had a really good year and I was given a message, not in these words, but I was, the message that I received from this action was that 
I was not valued as an individual, as Rita Belazare, I was not valued that I was like a warm body holding a place. And it was at that moment that I was like, Oh, I don't think academics is where I'll never be I'll never feel valued as much as I can value myself. And I guess I didn't also realize that was very important to me <laughs> to feel valued by the people I work with. And so it was at that time that I started saying, maybe academic, do I care about becoming an associate professor or, an, or a professor? Not really. What do I care about? So when I started sitting down and really taking inventory of what is it that I want in my life right now? And that's where the inklings started. And that was in September of 2022. And I like how you mentioned that before of, of saying that I knew something was not right. And the message that we seem to get is, well, just get out of medicine. Medicine's broken, get out. And you already knew, I don't really want to get out of medicine. I, I want to stay, but Nate, just not here. Right, exactly. We go into medicine for a reason. There's a reason we go in and there's a reason why during our third year, we find a specialty that speaks to us that we choose. And then residency is rough. So I won't say that people loved residency, but there are things in residency that we're like, oh, I love doing this or, oh, I really love operating or, oh, I really love doing whatever it is that you learn to do in residency. And you, you find something that you love about the profession and that really fulfills you in a way that non-clinical jobs may not fulfill you in that way. And as somebody who's worked so hard to do it, you really need that fulfillment as part of who you are. So the feeling of fulfillment is us really ourselves appreciating the fact that I've, I've done this and this is worthy of my efforts and mm -hmm. you know, I appreciate myself. And I thought that was really great that you mentioned that too, is that we have to appreciate our own efforts too. Other people may or may not, but certainly like right. we have to focus on ourselves. Finding that appreciation within ourselves, our confidence comes in too. A lot of times, we're looking for our employers to make us right. feel this way, but that's yeah. not that's not where it always comes from. And you've mentioned this on several podcasts, but especially as women, we suffer quite a bit from imposter syndrome, yeah. feeling like we don't belong, or we have to have a zero percent complication rate, or do whatever to feel like we deserve to have the position that we have, and that that for me is magnified or was magnified in academics. There's all these people that have done these like amazing things that are very well respected. And who am I to be here? Or these people would never respect me because I just, this is all I do, or I've only been in practice for this amount of time. So the imposter syndrome was really there. And I'm not like a big researcher. I don't have big administrative roles. Um, and of course I'm early in my career, but I still had that feeling like I'm not doing enough. I don't belong here everybody's looking at me, you know, like everybody knows it. And so when I had that moment where I was like, oh man, I think I, I feel like I've had a good year. And then to be told, and then in not so many words to be told like, eh. And I was like, wow, like I, my imposter syndrome, like I, I already devalue myself and like somehow I feel even less valued. Okay. Like something's got to change here. Oh yeah. There's endless amount of metrics that we use against ourselves for sure. <laughs> No, right. I know that I watched you go through this process and mm -hmm. I know that you really liked the people that you worked with oh, so, yeah. and then really appreciated like all the things that they offered you. So yeah. how did you get to the place where I like the people I work with? I like my patients, the job's okay-ish, but 
at this time, when did the sirens start? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I love my coworkers. They're amazing. And they will always be my friends and people. I still refer to them and all of that. So that was not the problem at all. The residents I love too. Like you said, I like, I was working at the county. So I love serving that patient population. I think it was that moment that kind of triggered me. It doesn't matter if it's me or some other warm body. And I'm like having this moment in my brain where I'm like, I'm 43 years old. I'm a single mom of two kids. Like I've done all the things. I bought the house. I bought the car. Like I've done all the things. Why do I feel like I have no agency over my life still? I can't make choices to let, oh, let me go to my daughter's Christmas thing at pre-K without having to ask permission for the entire day off or, and, and then clock in and clock out. I'm like, why I still feel like I'm a middle school student raising my hand to ask to go to the water fountain. And that was a moment where I was like this, even though there are these great things about this, I still am just a cog in a wheel and I don't like that at all. So I got to create something that's going to work for me. And I know you mentioned this already. You're a single mother, but you don't have another income to rely on and your savings, you you weren't like independently wealthy to start with. Why not just go on this whole entrepreneurship journey? (laughs) Right, exactly. When I took this job in academics, I was like, oh yeah, I'm retiring from this job. Like I was very happy, but yes, when I decided to make that transition, it was really, you talk about this a lot too. And Dr. Una talks about it too. What is your why? Figure out your why. And my why was not, oh, I can bank so much more money in private practice or, oh, what my why was my daughters are only going to be this age for a certain amount of time. It doesn't matter if I miss the like daycare Christmas thing. Probably not. They probably won't remember it, but I will remember the fact that I missed all of them. And they'll remember in that moment that I missed all of them. So I'm a single mom. They don't have another parent that's going to be there for them. What's called a single mom by choice. So I used a, a sperm donor to have my kids. So there is not another parent around. I don't share custody or anything like that. Yeah. And I had meager savings. I don't, I haven't invested in real estate. When I go on the, some of those like Facebook financial pages, I'm like, okay, X out on that because I'm not anywhere near that (laughs) type of wealthy at all. I have a lot that I'm thankful for, but I didn't have this massive nest egg either. What I did have was a feeling that I wasn't living the life that I wanted as a surgeon, a feeling that I needed to escape somehow. I'm looking at all of these like fire, the financial independence, retire early. Like, how can I retire early? How can I retire early? And then it dawned on me like, why do I need to do all this now so that I can live a life that I want later? Like, how can I just live the life that I want now so that I'm not thinking about retirement? And you're right. There were a lot of things, and we also were in the middle of horrible inflation and approaching a recession when I decided to do all of this. There was like nothing on the financial side that made a ton of sense, but it made a lot of sense for me to get agency over my life, for me to live a life where I can be happy now, not kill myself now and be miserable now uh, just to maybe have the life that I want to live later. Like that to me was my why. My girls living the life that I want now. And yes, is there some financial stress? Yes, of course there is. But we're also doctors. We're surgeons. We can do locums. We can take call. We can make 
money. We can make the money, but can I, will just making money or whatever in academics make me happy? No, it's not the money part that's making me happy. It's having complete agency over my day and over my time and over my decisions and being with my girls when I want to be with my girls. That is my why. And that's why I decided to make that leap. I love it. And it's so funny when you think about it, like, why do you want to make a lot of money in the first place? I want to make a lot of money so I can retire and have freedom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm not trying to trivialize that. I'm not certainly not just like throwing money away as yes. you and I have talked about and a financial advisor talked about. I'm not taking like extravagant trips where that money's not coming back to me. What I'm spending in my business, once I hopefully get busier, is going to come back to me. Mm-hmm. This is an investment. It's not throwing money away. I'm investing in myself and in my practice. And eventually that money will come back. And I do have faith that it'll come back because there's no scarcity of business around, especially for surgeons. I think that is really important to focus on is when you look at it, you didn't have a lot of safety nets, except the fact that you know who you are and what you have to offer. And I think that's one thing that we don't understand is all of that we have done to invest in ourselves that we are actually our most worthy investment. Yes. Like, like this, we are better than any apartment building. We are better than any whatever, like quick win kind of thing. It's like our things that we've done for our entire life up to this point are why we are worth investing in. Yes. Uh, and that is why there is a guaranteed success. Yeah. And you can go into these things as saying, of course, I'm going to be successful. I have no doubt about that. The system, yeah. as I get to learn the system, is always a little bit system yeah, is depressing. <laughs> It's challenging in itself. But I think that you don't know that until you get in there. And me being three years in over three years now into this is that I I knew that I was worth the investment. I didn't verbalize it in the time. But afterwards, Mm -hmm. you start to realize, oh, yeah, why wouldn't I be able to do this? Of all people in the entire world that I had the most faith in. Right, right. I think the other thing, and this is a whole another topic, but going back to how we're trained in residency, it's you are supposed to be like seen and not heard. You are, you need all of this training. You need all this help. You need all these people telling you what to do and how to do it. And so we come out of there thinking this institution is going to give me a job and they're going to give me benefits and they're going to, I need them to do the business side and I need them to do the administrative side because I don't know how to do any of that. And we forget that we have like almost endless capacity to learn as long as we have blood flowing to our brains. So like we, we forget all of that and we think I'm just the surgeon. I can't do anything else. I just need somebody to like help me and guide me to do this when really we've been told that, but really when I was going through this, this mental transition, I'm like, wait a minute, we are the commodity. We are the commodity. Why do you think that they put non-competes Mm-hmm. If I wasn't the commodity for this institution, they wouldn't care if I went across the street. They wouldn't care if I went to another institution in the same town. That the reason that they're non-competes is because we are the commodity and we mm-hmm. forget that. We're the one with the skill set and the education to make hospital systems and institutions and practices money. And we have completely forgotten that because we've been told otherwise by institutions and how we're trained in residency and all of that. 
And we were talking before we recorded, when it came to the system, the one thing that helps when people like you and people like me and Dr. Una and all, when we start like lifting the curtain, looking at the man behind the curtain and we're, we're staring at Oz, we're like, wait a minute now, what, who gave these, why, what is going on? I know. Yes. It's a lot of them, no shade to these folks, but like a lot of them, when we were like working 80 to hundred hour weeks doing trauma and saving people's lives, they were still in college Mm -hmm. or getting their two-year MHA when you were already a board certified surgeon. And they're the ones now telling you how to run your life. And it's not that you get away from that, but you can definitely have way more say, a seat at the table and agency over your life, even when these folks are in the picture. I completely agree. And yeah, no, I agree. No shade on any individual person. (laughs) because I think the system is made individually of reasonable people. But the problem mm-hmm. is the system keeps building on itself and we build a section to build the broken section and then oh right. too. So now there's I don't know, there's so many complicated parts to this. Yeah. And I never really realized how complicated all of this was until I started really focusing on the process itself and seeing where, like, how does that make any sense? How is this even working? What is going on? And where you're still, I don't want to say a victim, but you're still part of that system, even when you're on your own in private practice. It's just that you can make decisions based on how that system is working for or against you. If I have credentials at a hospital and, and I don't like the way the system is working, then I just walk to another hospital and get credentials at another hospital that's working better for me. Whereas I felt like when I was employed, there's, there's a limit on what you can do, even if we're talking about money, how much you can make how much call you can, I can take unlimited, I could take all every single day right now if I wanted to make more money. When you're in that other system, you can't take more call to make more money. There's only, there's a cap on what you can make. So it just, there's just a lot more room to be able to make decisions. Yeah, so even, yeah, taking that leap has just given me the agency that I need even in the setting of these systems. It's funny because I've been working with Amanda Hill. We have this course called the 90 day notice talking about leaving your job and things like that. And it's been really fun to the whole coaching journey has been fun through all of this as I learn all kinds of different things. And I can tell you one thing that I learned in exploring this as I help other people with this, I look back at my own life in different ways. And I think about what is the perfect job? And I'm starting to realize there is no perfect job. Yeah. So And and there's no safe job either, interestingly enough. In the military, I had steady income, no problem. And it it just came with the patient population in that particular area of low volume, low acuity. And oh, Mm. by the way, every now and then just dropping everything and going somewhere else. There is that. So not a perfect job. So then I go to employee practice, making great money, great patients, no autonomy in the clinic, can't make decisions. And that is not a perfect job. So then I'm in private practice and I love everybody I work with. I could choose my schedule. I'm doing all the things. Everything works exactly like I want. And then I fight insurance companies. And and each month is like, I wonder what if we get this month? So is this the perfect job? It comes with a level of worry that I did not have before. So it's just interesting how we really understand a little bit more. Yeah. And a lot of people have asked to that point, isn't it hard? Or isn't it scary? And yes, like every, you're a surgeon, there's going to be a hard in every part of your job. You're picking your hard. So like the thing that's hard right now to me 
is very tolerable and feels like something that I can deal with and I can manage. And it doesn't cause me like internal strife. The hard from the previous jobs were something that was like messing with me so badly mentally and emotionally that it became actually became physical. And like, those are the things that I see in these Facebook groups, like I'm burnt out or I'm this or I'm that or whatever. And I think a lot of it is loss of agency. So yes, that is easy because you have the benefits and the guaranteed salary and the whatever, but you don't have decision-making capacity in certain ways. Right now, I don't have a guaranteed salary. I'm paying for all my own benefits. I pay for all my own CME. And yeah, that's a lot of money, but I have I make my own decisions. And so that part is hard. It's not that it's not hard. It's just that I choose that hard instead. It's worth it. And I choose that yes. hard. I love it. <laughs> yes. So what are some of the surprising things that you've learned in this journey? So you started the private practice and I know that we had to go through all this drama about getting the building and the lease and everything, oh getting God. all that. <laughs> I know that was quite the headache. <laughs> so is. I'm still not even in there. December 1st, I'm finally going to be in there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest surprising thing is when I was listening to these podcasts, your podcasts and starting the coaching with you you guys talk a lot about mindset. I'm like, what are they talking about? I just need to do this job. Like, what is all this mindset talk? And what I didn't realize is that is not even step one. That's step zero is believing in yourself enough to do it. Like you said, pulling back the curtain and realizing like, oh, this is what I've done and this is what I can do. And it's like these limiting beliefs of who we are and what we are able to do and that to me was the biggest surprise that I, I already thought, okay, I'm doing this big thing. I'm taking the leap and whatever. What are they talking about? Mindset. But that was a really big thing for me to realize, oh, no, I, I really do have to believe in myself first. And that was a big thing. Number two is honestly, how many people are watching? You think you're doing this in isolation, but suddenly I'm getting texts or can we talk or all these people that are like, I'm in this situation too. And I see that you've done this and can we have a conference? So people are watching and you don't always realize that you're just go make this business work. Who do I need to hire? How do I get patients in? And people are just watching you do it. I would say, yeah. The other thing is like, I don't know the right thing. Like it's simple, but it's not easy. Like it's like, we can learn how to take these steps and we're going to make mistakes. But so like that in that way, it's not easy, but like, it's simple. It's just taking steps to do it. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, and then perfectionism. I never thought that I was a perfectionist at all. Cause when you look at my desk right now and you look at my house, but then I realized there's so many different kinds of perfectionism and as surgeons and physicians, which I do think is a good thing to have perfectionism when you are operating on somebody or taking care of them. But when it comes to business or this other aspect of it, <clears throat> perfectionism is what actually prevents us from doing it. What if my office isn't decorated properly? What if my business card looks bad? Or what if my website isn't great? Or what if I do this wrong or I file this claim? Who cares? Nobody's dying. You just, oh, I did this wrong. So this is how I'm going to get better. Mm-hmm. And the, what I realized, which is so silly when you think about it this way, is if I do it, let's say that I did do it perfectly the first time. Like, I'm really going to be like, I'm not changing anything. My business is perfect. Week one, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, you're always making it better. And so that actually had a huge impact in how I do. Other than surgery, that has a huge impact on how I do everything else. 
the perfectionism thing. If somebody's not going to die, if I make this mistake, then I'm just going to go for it. And I'm able to get a lot more done because I'm okay with B plus work or B minus work actually a lot of time. And I feel like it's made me a better parent in that regard too. I'm much more forgiving of myself for that reason also. So I think those were probably the, the biggest things that I learned about myself. I completely agree. Once you tap into the entrepreneurship journey and it opens your eyes to a lot of other things. I read different books than I did before and listen to different influencers. And then you start to see like this whole other world out there of people doing crazy things. And all of a sudden, like the interest and excitement in life starts waking up going, gosh, there's like this whole other world out there. How fascinating. Right. Yes. And the power of the pivot. I've learned that too. Like things that I would be like, oh, I'm never doing that. Or but for social media, for example, I was like, that's icky. I'm not doing that. That feels weird. Or what if somebody sees me or whatever? And then you're like, number one, it's free advertising and I don't have a massive advertising budget. Number two, there are people who are not trained the way I am that are talking about disease processes that I treat and spreading misinformation. So if I don't do it, then this is what people are listening to. And they're coming to my office and I'm having to dispel all these things. So let me get on there and try to tell some truths about colorectal disease processes. That was like a 180 pivot. So there, I learned that pivoting is like a major part of this. Completely agree. And if our whole purpose as physicians is to serve the patients, serving the patients is giving them information and yeah. helping them out and taking them through. We have much more influence than just these 15 minute visits or 30 yes. minute visits, or even like my new cancer patients are an hour long visit. Yeah. But even in that breast cancer itself is so complicated mm-hmm. and my paperwork gets longer. The information I give them gets more. And then I'm like, yeah. I've got to do videos so they can understand this. So they can read right. it at time. And like all their whole family members could see this too. And the way that the people are learning and getting their information is changing. And if we yeah. do not adapt to it, someone will. And I think that yeah. of all people, why not us? And I think that's one phrase that kind of comes up all the time in this whole journey. Like, why not me? You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Why not me? Who else is it going to be? Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Who's going to fix the system? Why not me? <laughs> patients? Why not me? And that comes down to the problem and all this going, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. Yes. Yes. And it is overwhelming, but one step at a time and we'll get there. Yeah. I know how I manage the overwhelm, but how do you manage the overwhelm? Coaching. (laughs) Yes. Therapy. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things like asking for help. How do I get help? Coaching and therapy. Those are two amazing ways to like, just talk about the things. And if nothing else, feel justified in how you're feeling. Get letting go of the perfectionism trying I'm not great at this but trying to like exercise I'm an extrovert so socializing being much better about getting a babysitter and socializing and not being feeling trying not to feel guilt about getting the babysitter those are things that make me feel better socializing is definitely a big one so yeah so you find what makes you especially as a parent it's easy to lose yourself so find out the things that you like to do pre-kids pre-doctor and then go do those things again so that's what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it really, it's like medicine itself is a just jealous mistress. You add private practice. <laughs> if she's a jealous mistress too. So why not have a few of them? Let's have a harem of jealous mistresses. And add your five-year-old and two-year-old kid in the mix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The way I adapted to it was I make these very long lists and of just like brain dumps of stuff and then yes. learn to put things on the calendar 
of this is what I will have to do and let the rest go. It actually became this running joke that I've talked about before. It's on the list, which (laughs) if you ask me anything and I say it's on the list, that means I'm never going to do it. (laughs) But the brain dump works because then you start, you stop thinking about, you start, stop worrying about how you're going to forget about it. So for me, if it's written down on my like paper, I do one paper a week of the brain dump. And like when I have space in my calendar, I'm like, okay, what am I going to pick to do? Okay, I'm going to do that thing. But if I write it down, it's gone from my brain. I don't have to think about it because it's written down. And takes 100% agree. That yes. also helps with the overwhelm. Yes, th- there's three stages. There's in the brain, trauma, suffering. There's no telling what's in there. <laughs> it's on the list. Still yeah. a hot mess, but at least we see it. And the third <laughs> is if it's on the calendar, you got a chance. There we go. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it works. Whatever works. Exactly. But the, I think it was Seth Godin. I've mentioned this before. And this, I think of this phrase all the time on the entrepreneurship journey, you are building a fence around your dreams. So the question is, are you building a fence around a playground or a prison? Yeah. Mine feels like a playground. It's like really chaotic, my playground, but it feels like a playground. Yeah, exactly. So every now and then I, I think of that. And when I feel like I'm overwhelmed or suffering, I'm like, Oh, prison. Got to readjust something. Good way of thinking about it. Another saying, I think it's Dr. Una again, about the business is it's like an ugly baby. Every mother thinks that their newborn is like this most beautiful thing that they've ever seen. And it's so true. But like from the outside, it's probably a little bit of an ugly baby right now. But eventually it's going to be really cute and more functional with the developed right. frontal lobe. So I'm still in like the infant phase right now. I'm like in the toddler running around phase. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so I have to tell you that there was what we get from this opening up a new business, believing in yourself and Mm -hmm. like really putting your effort and your time and your whatever mental energy behind yourself as an investment is the most powerful thing that you could do in the world because nothing made me happier than just opening up those doors, whether it Mm -hmm. failed or not, I had already determined that was success. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And all of the time you're putting into it is coming back to you or it's serving your patients or serving your family. And that's, that's the gold mine right there. Yes. I will lots of times sit in the office and I try to really consciously do this and stop for a minute and say, I did all this. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I hired that person. Yes. I picked out that paint color. Right. I created this patient handout. And so there's something really inspiring about it, believing in yourself mm-hmm. that really helps you evolve to the person you were always meant to be. And if you think about it, that's more important than any aspect is evolving to the best version of yourself. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And that's what our parents dreamed of too. So Mm -hmm. fulfilling their legacy also. Yes. And when it comes to being a single parent, what do you want your kids to think about? I, yeah, what I want them to take from this, if there's a, point to take is that they are actually more in control of their lives than what it may seem. And that we do have the power to change our circumstance. It's not always easy, but we do have the power to change our circumstance. And oftentimes that takes a little bit of courage to do something scary but you are in charge of your circumstance. The other thing is maybe when it may not seem popular or everybody's, oh, what are you doing? But you truly believe in yourself that you can still 
go off the beaten path and you can be who you want to be, be to fulfill your happiness. So I just want them to know that they have the ability and the strength and the power and the autonomy to do that, no matter what the situation is in their lives. As we have the ability to tap into that American dream. Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you hope for? I know that you wanted to come on and share your story. What do you hope that someone who's listening takes away from this? Yeah. Like I said, a little over a year ago, I was in a place where I felt a little bit stuck. I felt overwhelmed. I felt not hopeless, but a little bit like I'm just not where I want to be. And I just feel overwhelmed and want to quit. And so I just hope that somebody who's listening to this realizes, number one, they're, they're not actually stuck, no matter what their situation is, that you don't have to have a spouse to dig you out of this or to hop on their health insurance or to <clears throat> have enough of their savings spent up or their salary can take care of your home expenses. Like you don't have to have that. You, I had to get a village, but to help me take care of my kids, um, and I had to be okay with going into some debt to do this, to invest in myself, but that you're not stuck. You can make changes, you can pivot, and that you do have the ability to do this, even when there are those objections in the back of your head. I got kids, I got debt, I got this, that, and the other, and who's going to teach me how to do all of this? I just hope that somebody who's maybe in a position where I was feeling overwhelmed and they want to quit, that maybe there is a way for me to stay in medicine so that I can do what I love to do. And maybe I have to take a leap, but there is something else out there. And I do think that entrepreneurship may not be it for everybody, but it is very free to be an entrepreneur and it's possible. 100%. And I think anyone who is thinking about leaving medicine, recognizing there's so many different paths and to reach out and get some help, listen to podcasts. And, you know, I 100% agree. Dr. Uno's EntreMD podcast is fantastic and she's fantastic. All of us who um, are feeling the the stirrings of something different and really believing in ourselves and changing the environment that we're living in and letting other people know you don't have to leave to have the life that you want. You could still invest in yourself with all that you've already invested. You don't have to give it all up to do all this, that you can do it in a different way. And if more of us do that, then we start changing the landscape of medicine. And that's really how things change. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm so thankful for you and the other coaches out there that are helping us come to these realizations. Completely agree. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on today. And where can people find you? Because I know that you're on Instagram and I've seen a lot of your educational things and all too. So (laughs) tell us where uh, people can find you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. My practice is called Houston Community Surgical in Houston, Texas. The website is www.houstoncommunitysurgical.com. I have an Instagram page that I'm getting better about posting on. It's my name, Rita Belazare, MD. I also have a TikTok with that same name. So I try to be good about posting there. And then my, my focus now is going to turn to probably more pelvic floor health in the colorectal pelvic floor health. And so I actually created a Facebook group, a private Facebook group for support and education for people with things like rectal prolapse, rectocele, pelvic floor, colorectal disorders, and it's called the bottom line. And so I love it. (laughs) So they can find that group on Facebook if they're interested. I love it. 
That's yeah. perfect. Thank yeah. you again so much for coming on such valuable information. And I really hope, um, and I'm actually certain that your story is going to help inspire someone else because of all the person is saying, yeah, but you had this person on whose husband was going to help. And, and you had this person yeah. on here. And now I've had a person who basically took all of the belief that she had in herself and discovered that actually really is enough. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. It was fun. For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.